and welcome to the show. This upload is coming to you September 28, 2016, and you're listening to the Post Money Plan podcast. Today's episode is on private prisons. In response to the memo issued by the U.S. Department of Justice regarding the planned phase-out of government contracts to private prisons, we wanted to discuss the subject. We will discuss the merits, or the lack thereof, as well as moral considerations of private prisons. Today's episode is co-hosted by myself, Dallas Post, the founder of The Post Money Plan, Stephen Ngao, a fund manager for a university, and Abel Said, a financial analyst for a telecommunications company. So let's get started. What's your take on private prisons? When I first heard the news about the, the ruling, Department of Justice ruling that they were going to phase out the private prisons over the next few years. Right. I was unsure of how I felt about it. Why were you unsure? You know, I think the snap reaction is to say, like, oh, private prisons are immoral and they do all kinds of damage, which could be the case. But then, in a certain sense, if you have both public and private prisons, with the public prisons, you don't have the incentive of shareholders to increase prisoner population, which you don't want. You don't want to incentivize to have more prisoners. Like, I don't think that's a good thing for society as a whole. Right. Unless you think of it from the perspective of instead of crime instigating people being on the streets, they're in, in prison. But what has been found to be the case is that minor drug offenders are often being incarcerated, incarcerated and put in prison to increase the numbers and then the profits yeah, for the private yeah. prisons. Especially for those of color. Is there any discrepancy between like people, like statistics showing whether people who serve in private prisons tend to commit crimes in the future that once they get out versus they run prisons? Probably, but like the important thing is what goes on on the on the inside. No, but seriously, I mean, what happens inside the actual prison itself is a, is a, an issue. Or like, but they do say like there's are state-run prisons better run versus private prisons or vice versa. My intuition would be that private prisons would have more incentive to yeah to keep yeah. things in line. But I have heard that the private prisons had more incidences of uh, in-house physical assaults. Yeah. Stuff. Yeah, like uh, prisoner on prisoner right. assault and prisoner on guard assault. So with this ruling, you still and have mixed emotions. more contraband. Yeah. Okay. So like with this ruling, you still have mixed emotions. It's a multifaceted issue. You know, like healthcare. I think there's probably not one specific right answer. Right. And it depends on all the like dynamics of society at, at a given point in time. Like healthcare. You know, if you have all private hospitals, there's a lot of bad things that can come along with that. But then also, if you have all public hospitals, there's like a lot of negatives that can come along with that. So mm-hmm. possibly having a dual system where you have both gives a little bit more variety. But then there's the aspect of like, are there certain services within society that should not be free enterprise and or capitalist? But I am an advocate of taking a strict stance on crime and punishing crime because I, I feel in a society where crime is treated with a lax attitude or crime isn't punished, then you no longer like, you start to dis- not disincentivize it, and people are less afraid to commit crime. And especially if they don't come from a moral background, they, you know it starts to get to a point where people say, like you can imagine in an apocalyptic situation where like law and order is out the window, okay. people say, okay, well, no one's going to stop me, so I'm not afraid to steal or whatever. It's an economical issue, but it's also a very social issue because it's the punishment that gets received is very biased. Systemically, like, there's a bias. Like, it's a four-to-one ratio. Someone like me, like an African-American man. But are you saying about, like, 
you don't appreciate the apparent racial bias in incarcerations or what? Uh, I'm acknowledging the bias, but I'm also embracing this new law or the social constructs, you know. Like if both parents are in the household, you know, if they don't have the right education and access to those resources that they can improve their environment, then these type of activities, criminal activities, get grandfathered. Yeah, exactly. And then you just have this cornucopia of bad activity happening in society. But by happenstance, or I guess maybe it's some somewhere down the road, I'm sure it's a fact of the Atlantic slave trade. Like the lack of access to, you know, proper health care, education, uh, like financial activity, like all these things have affected like the African diaspora, so to speak. So I really feel like Exactly, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that, that ties into why like the numbers are they are because of incarceration. Yeah, yeah, I agree with you on that. There's, I think, two factors. One, there's there could be racial bias and just excluding any actual activity of either white people or black people or whoever. Yeah. But then, you know, there can be racist cops or, or whoever that then persecute black people more than others. Mm-hmm. But then there is what you're saying is the like multi generational hangover effect of slavery and and therefore. You know, just because, like, okay, all the slaves were emancipated doesn't mean, like, all of a sudden they're all all equal from day zero because they didn't have the assets and the education and the the culture that the people there had at that point in time. So that has a knock-on effect. Their children and their children and their children. Totally. And I think that's still playing out today. The challenge is how do you fix that? You know, how do you change that social construct? I think a lot of progress has been made. It's just slower than we would like. So then I think it's a good thing with what the Department of Justice has decided. I mean, from your perspective, you're saying it's one of those things where every industry has participants from the private side as well as from the public side of things. But the bottom line, it's it was a good outcome. I mean, I think more change needs to happen, obviously, but uh, it's better than what what has been happening in the past. Well, it remains to be seen what will happen in actuality, then if we go back to only public prisons, what happens? I mean, is there a way to, do you think, economically and synthesize where private prisons exist, there needs to be a way, because prisons exist in social, for social reasons, right? They're correctional facilities, right? That will rehabilitate people and maybe be able to produce people who committed, you know, in theory, yeah. minor crimes, right? In society. In theory. Is there a way to synthesize that with is it only minor crimes or also? Well, I mean, if it's capital punishment, long term crimes, yeah, that too. When people get out on parole, that he is able to behave well enough to be considered safe among citizens in society. Right? There's a way to, like, instead of saying, oh, we have to have a certain amount of prisoners or incarcerate a certain amount of people, and there could be a way to set the sides. Well, I see. Although I do think you need you people in, to throughout you know, society. rehabilitate people or certain other people or, you know, make sure people won't. The crime future ones are released. Right. I mean, I think throughout society, you should incentivize behaviors that you want and disincentivize behaviors that you don't want. And in terms of having private prisons, the danger is incentivizing increased incarceration. Well, that's yeah, that's the way it is right now. And that if if that's why they exist, there's no social reason for them to exist, and there shouldn't be any private prisons. But you can have a way for it to incentivize them too economically. Well, my point is, if if crime does exist, you want, I would say you want to incentivize uh, incarceration of the criminals. Right. 
but you don't want to incentivize incarceration of non-criminals or criminals who we would agree that don't need to be incarcerated. Well, the difference between being in private prison and state or prison will happen when those prisoners are in the prison. So for prison, private prisons to actually, you know, have a need to exist, there needs to be reason for it. You know, the difference is with like how they treat prisoners or what happens to prisoners after the fact, right? If there's no reason for private prisons to exist, if there's no difference between them and state or prison, I don't know why they should be prison in the first place. Because it should be a social reason, not economic. It's funny, I didn't even know they existed until like a couple of years ago. Well, it depends though, like on how much it costs to run a private prison or a public prison. It's it's like, pretty, that's a good point, because it's really expensive. I know for the state of California, because it's like 35 k per cell. That's coming out of the federal annual, budget, which annual. taxpayers are paying into. If yeah. it's being run horribly inefficiently, then there's an incentive there. Like if, if, in theory, a private prison could run more efficiently than a public prison, and save people, like the taxpayers, money. But then that's again from an economic perspective. Yeah, like a shareholder would have well, the incentive to keep the business quote unquote. You're saying business should have it only purely keep social. people locked up. No, I'm not saying only. I'm saying there's different factors to consider. There's social. There's economic. I mean, like with anything, there. I think you have to consider the morals to it, the economics to it. It's a, a tricky thing. I think it's it's interconnected. Like you think about education, healthcare, uh, you know, different fast like you know economics, different facets that get people involved in the society. Like if somebody goes to a really bad public school, and they don't have really good access access to really good healthcare, and the only thing they're exposed to is what their peers see, which is you know life in the streets, and they get involved in things related to drugs or prostitution or gang violence, and then that. Type of activity gets gets to become their social uh, expression, so yeah, their social norm, so to speak. So I think if you focus on those constructs indirectly, you're impacting what happens to criminal activity and those who get involved and those who do not get involved. Because a lot of people complain about like I think you mentioned this earlier, like the the tic tacky things that people get locked up for and get like long term sentences. Mm -hmm. Uh, I mean, I don't really have uh, background in law per se, but I feel like a lot of lawmakers are trying to rewrite the books and how we assess criminal activity and, and when, you know, give people proper punishment. But, in it, you know, that just goes to say, like... Yeah, the punishment doesn't fit the crime. Yeah, we're a leader in the world and, and you know, you have people economically, but, like, anywhere outside the States, people... The problem is the, the punishment for a crime is very subjective. Right, it's very subjective, but why can't we do it like other people outside, other places in the world where they actually re introduce uh, people who've been locked up after reform, after a set term of reform, into that they reintroduce them back into society. Why can't we have that here? Like, why can't we be there? Yeah, we forget about them once they get Yeah, exactly. Get sense and, that's it. and then they go through like this uh, animalistic mentality. Well, but there's the prison. there's also the aspect of, like, maybe it's they were incarcerated for something relatively minor, but then it's on the record. And then they go to apply for a job, and employers, rightly so, don't want to be background check. I mean, don't background want to be uh, take uh, take on that risk when right. they have a choice between another employee that doesn't have a criminal record. Right. Yeah. And then so that kind of taints that person, where they're kind of tarnished from from then on in terms of trying to get work, which is very difficult for a person who's been in prison. It's a shift in the paradigm for sure. So that pretty much wraps things up for this podcast. 
Thank you for joining us for our discussion. We'll catch you next time on another edition of the Post Money Plan Podcast. <laughs>